0: talks to us on totus to us. Father Dominique Faure talks to us about joy and about what it means to live the truth of Christian life. Of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, may we the praise, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, among Holy and blessed is the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for now and the of Holy Amen. What does it mean to live not a caricature but really the truth of a Christian life? And behind this, when Jesus says that He came to bring tidings of joy, that's what it means to be evangelized. the gospel, the good news is when we have opened ourselves to this tiding of joys that uh, Jesus came to offer and and I often wonder whether we have really discovered this this Christian joy I think that very often we are still looking a lot for natural joys for worldly joys some of them are good obviously and and uh, do we do we really understand what Jesus means when he speaks of the good news? Do we understand, uh, in a certain way, the flame that uh, the young church was living off, and that you see in the Acts of the Apostles, you know, the the, the first apostles so much with such an incredible fervor to evangelize, uh, what? Uh, What St. John tells us in the first episode, what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have listened to, we need to proclaim it to you so that our joy can be full. And, And I'm always wondering whether the Church is really diffusing this Christian joy or whether in fact the joy that we look for is still in fact very worldly. And Jesus is for him It's very clear When you look at the Beatitudes uh, The Sermon on the mount The type of joy That Jesus offers to us Is is a little bit of a scandal Uh, Blessed are the poor Blessed are the persecuted Jesus doesn't tell us Rejoice because you will succeed Rejoice because uh, You will be praised Rejoice because uh, You will be healthy No and somehow to be evangelized, to live of the good news is, is to enter in this life of the Beatitudes which, which is a little scary because none of us would make many converts if we were telling people uh, join the church, be baptized because there you will be poor you will be persecuted uh, you will be thirsty I don't think you can start a parish that way so somehow we are afraid of, of really evangelizing, and, and uh, somewhere we we very easily dilute or water down the, the the real joy that Christ and the real good news that Christ came to offer. And, and sure, the joy that Jesus offers to us, the peace that He offers to us, and He tells us give you peace, but not the peace coming from the world, It's definitely not the peace linked to glory and success, definitely not linked to harmony and uh, consolations, something else. And we have to discover that what Jesus offers can only be received and can only be understood when we discovered that the pearl of our christian life is not to love a lot a lot of people who love a lot without really knowing christ the pearl is not uh, to help people uh, who are in need and there are a lot of people who do it really the pearl of our christian life is a life of hope and i think that all of us there uh, have a lot to discover Uh, and again, very quickly we uh, we water down the truth. Uh, when I was re-reading yesterday um, the epistle to the Galatians of Saint Paul, uh, and his words are ex- extremely strong. When he says that we are already reasoned with Christ, so doesn't say be patient and sooner or later you will enjoy the resurrection. No, we are already risen with Christ. And then he continues, we are already sitting at the right side of of Jesus. It's not later. So do we really believe this? And uh, and sure, the condition behind is that in order to, to maybe not to experience, but in order to to accept the fact that we are already risen with Christ, uh, it implies that we have also accepted the other side of the coin, which is that we have died with Christ and i think the whole uh, the whole tension in our christian life is that we are in the world but we are not of the world anymore we are still entitled to 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 share the joy of the world and natural joys of friendship of success of marriage or whatever it is but it is none of those now which give a meaning to our life otherwise we have not really entered in a Christian life where Christ demands not to take over everything, we are still here but Christ demands to reorder everything and uh, it is still good to work, it is still good to to have a a joyful family life it is uh, still good to have good friends but all of this still demands to be reordered and reordered by by the person of Christ and in a certain way all our search for happiness on earth which are normal demand to be reordered by by the certitude and that in fact there is only one happiness which is going to fulfill us which is uh, a union a communion with Christ Uh, let's not forget that before leaving uh, uh, Jesus was telling his disciples it is good for you that I leave and uh, I will prepare for you a place then I will come back and I will will take you with me and it was uh, a theologian at the time of John Paul II who said uh, in the year 1000 everybody was speaking and most of the time in fear everybody was speaking of the return of Christ year 1000 he should come back it would be a tremendous year in the year 2000 nobody was waiting for the return of Christ and I think the Christian life is essentially linked this expectation in the return of Jesus, and I'm sure that if we were organizing a poll in the streets of London, asking people whether they expect the return of Jesus, uh, I'm pretty sure of the result, it would be no, 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 or maybe, but uh, later. And that's not a total Christian life, um, the end of the apocalypse is... Uh, or the beginning, I'm coming soon, and the end of the apocalypse, uh, the Spirit and the Church, the Spirit and the Bride say, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. So the, the Christian life is eminently centered on the return of Christ. Otherwise, it becomes very quickly either a dogmatic life, so we know better than others, or it becomes a moral life, we do better than others, or it becomes a social life. Uh, we are the specialists of the poor but that's not really what is a Christian life all about Uh, and the church was very very aware of this at the beginning when you read the Acts of the Apostles uh, they were preaching uh, Christ coming back he has come he has died he he has his vision and he will come back soon and that was what in a certain way what was mobilizing all the Christians in the early church they were preparing the return of Christ and it's San who says that he says that the main mission of the church is not uh, to help the poor or not to no the main mission of the church is to prepare the return of Christ so that the king can come back and Jesus himself tells us in the gospel that uh, there's a good chance that when he comes back Uh, he will come back like a thief nobody waiting for him so I was wondering whether this kind of general sadness uh, that you see among Christians is not linked to the fact that we don't really know why we're here Uh, we've totally forgotten that our main mission is to prepare the return of the king to to wait for him on behalf of others like the wise virgins in the gospel and I, I think especially in a time like now uh, clearly uh, the the world is a little bit shaken now uh, and it is source of despair for some it is source of panic for others and this can be enough also at the natural level but uh, is it a source of hope for us? Meaning, is this turmoil in which uh, we are, is it helping us put even more our hope in Christ? When you read the apocalypse, uh, you see clearly that uh, God constantly needs to shake us, to, to destabilize us, and we are expert in again rebuilding idols, rebuilding our own temples, rebuilding whatever they are. To constantly making sure that we can find again in our stability in the world. I remember after a couple of years ago, after s- September 11, where a lot of people saying no things will change because really the world has been shaken. And okay, a couple of weeks later, everything was the same and. Uh, even the reaction had been more a reaction of pride than anything else. And in the Apocalypse, to tell the truth, the answer is quite negative. Eh? The Apocalypse at that level is, is not very optimistic. Man doesn't want to convert. And it's impressive when you see uh, what is symbolized in the Apocalypse by the seven trumpets, eh? the government of God, who in his providence tries to, to open our eyes. God constantly fails man doesn't respond God's first trumpet second trumpet third trumpet man is constantly destabilized and at the end it's even one third of humanity is died and still man doesn't repent he doesn't change he's still looking for human stability everything is telling him that there's no no hope to be found in the world everything should tell him that it's time to realize that there's only one hope, which is in Christ, and still man doesn't change. So maybe there' uh, an invitation for all of us to maybe to be a little bit prophets, even if no prophet is recognized in his in his own place. But maybe to leave the 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 lack of stability that the world is somehow facing today to live it in a different way and maybe even to use it in order, one way or the other to evangelize eh? because I at mean, if we are Christians we all have this responsibility of bringing the good news we cannot just passively receive it from the church and then sit on it and the fact is and that's in a certain way the whole history of humanity and definitely part of the history of the Church the fact is that it is good for man to be destabilized it is good for man to face his limits it is good for man to, to be on the battlefield because it is usually there that in vulnerability, in poverty man might be the most open to the truth the most open to uh, radical change or basically the most open to Christ it's sad to say but uh, you see that when as a priest you let's say you, you're chaplain or you help in, in hospitals and those places are great places for a priest huh? because it is there that people have the greatest chance to open up uh, and they do I mean and, and, and then you understand the wisdom of God maybe suffering and death are quite good at the end because they, they bring us to such a poverty and a vulnerability that uh, they are an excellent means that God in his providence clearly uses in order to help us discover that there is no hope to put in this world the only hope is to look at him and I think that it's important that To realize that, and that's really the Sacrament of Confirmation, for example, to realize that uh, our Christian life demands from us to be on a battlefield. St. Thomas Aquinas doesn't hesitate to say, after the cross, there's more suffering in the world than before. And the closer is the return of Christ, the more suffering will increase. So, we're probably on the the good slope. but he wanted to accept that trials are an essential part of our Christian life uh, destabilizations are an essential part of our Christian life battlefield is an essential part Jesus didn't come to bring us back to the peace and harmony of the Garden of Eden he came and demanded from us to live again and again with him all this tension that he has lived at the cross and I think that there uh, so easily, so so quickly uh, we run away from the battlefield and the battlefield can be in our work the battlefield can be in our family the battlefield can be uh, so so easily we, we choose with a certain weakness. We prefer to run away rather than to stand. And to stand uh, basically with the only way to stand, which is in hope. Uh, let's not forget what, uh, what a Christian should be in the world. Eh? He should make a difference and all of us should make a difference not by an excess of love I think uh, we do but it's not a privilege of of Christianity to love not uh, again by charitable deeds it's not only uh, in Christianity but where should we make a difference By, by the hope that we manifest when everybody is tempted by despair we hope Uh, when everybody is starting to crawl on the floor, we stand. Not in a stoic way, not uh, in a rigid way, but we joyfully stand in a certain way. uh, The the stronger is the battlefield, the more oppositions we face, the more the Christian joy is offered to us. Uh, we read some of the acts of the martyrs in the early church Uh, just remembering the the martyrdom of uh, Saint Ignatius Saint Ignatius was to be uh, killed by the beast in the Roman Empire in the the circus and all all his disciples were trying to to protect him and prevent him from being arrested by the Romans And, and he was on the other hand willing to go and then at the end he declared that my only joy, my greatest joy is to offer my life for Christ. So please don't prevent me from doing it. I'm not sure that we have still this joy, which was the joy of the early church. And that's why the early church was so apostolic. And when you're joyful of this type of joy, then it can only attract. And sure enough, and sometimes it has been misunderstood, they often, the first converts, who were baptized in the early Church and still be often in mission missionary work? Those who convert are those who suffer the most. So there has always been certain attacks against the Church saying that it's easy. You, you know, you go to the easy praise, you go to those who suffer, and since they have nothing else in any case, they are happy to be to be converted and helped. This is not the truth. Christ didn't come for the perfect. Didn't come for the successful didn't come for the rich he came to find in in each one of us uh, poor or rich uh, successful or failing he came to find in us what could not be fulfilled by the world what was thirsty for more and sure enough sometimes it's much easier for somebody who has nothing to immediately open his heart in thirst because there's nothing else and I think he wants to To find out, and that's really uh, a certain way what is a life of prayer all about, to find out what is thirsty in us. Because clearly if there's no thirst anywhere, then Christ cannot do anything. And the more thirst there is, the more Christ can open, can can enter. And I think that there, uh, we should discover that God in his providence for all of us, I don't know of anybody who is not suffering and who has not suffered. So, so it's there everywhere. But to to discover that whatever suffering we go through, this is the battlefield on which Jesus is waiting for us. Um, we always would have dreamed of another one, but uh, okay, this is the one. And and uh, it is there that Christ is waiting for us. It is there that he's willing to meet us in order to give us this joy that the world cannot give us. It is there that He is waiting for us in order to give us this peace that the world cannot give us. Which demands clearly that we don't run away. Because some people are constantly living a life running away. Escaping, escaping, escaping from one problem to the next one and they constantly escape. Christ cannot run behind this... uh, Nothing happens in their life, in fact. It's a life of despair. Others accept, okay, wherever is the trial, to be there. And in a certain way, not to embrace it, because none of us is ready to embrace suffering. But at least to, to look for Christ there. To be thirsty for Christ there. To, to need Christ there. And, and that's what Therese discovered Uh, the little flower when she said every time I face a new weakness and therefore a new trial it gives me the joy of depending more on Christ that's the Christian joy Uh, we don't depend on Christ in what is fulfilled in us we don't need Christ for that we don't depend on Christ in what is successful in us no We depend on Christ in what is unachieved in us. We depend on Christ in in what is longing in us. We depend on Christ in what is thirsty. So we are thirsty for love. We are thirsty for light. We are thirsty thirsty for recognition. All those thirsts are real in the heart of man. They are good. And sometimes they become extremely painful because we have been deprived from love or we have been deprived from security so those thirsts can be very very painful but it is exactly there that Christ is waiting for us it is exactly there that we are called to to be evangelized and therefore to discover uh, this joy that Jesus offers to us and you see some people who live it very well those are called the saints Uh, I don't know if you have read uh, the book of Mother Treason, uh, Be My Light. Huh? Okay. It was to through so, so many darkness, so, which were totally ignored by the world, uh, so so many trials, so many misunderstandings. And I'm sure that in the book we, we, we see only half of it, because uh, we see the trials that Mother was living in her darkness of faith, we see also the trials that she faced because of the misunderstanding of the church. Eh? But uh, I'm sure that we don't see, and I'm sure that they've existed, all the trials that she faced because of her own sisters. Eh? So hopefully we don't see it because otherwise there would be problems. But, but they were there. Mother was constantly, Mother Teresa was constantly living in trials. And, and nobody knew it. Not at all because she was trying to hide. But because she had finally discovered there this Christian art or this Christian wisdom of finding there the joy of Christ. And that's why she was attracting so many. Not because of her success. and Poor people were not at all interested by the Nobel Prize. But she was attracting because the sense from within that She had discovered this wisdom of a a stability in joy, whatever would happen, stability in peace, whatever would happen. And we all know that those are the wise people. When you call somebody, this is a wise person, not somebody who has gone through all type of universities. That has nothing to do with wisdom. We recognize somebody who is wise when we recognize somebody who is stable in peace and joy, in the midst of all type of trials then there is a wisdom there there is a stability and that's, that's exactly what a Christian should be in the world eh? people should recognize in us wisdom they are all running a rat race they are all running in panic and we keep standing peaceful and joyful that's what they need to recognize because I think that if we don't leave it, who is going to leave it And that's definitely the, in a certain way, the the witness that uh, John wants us to read and to to receive. At the cross, and he's the one, the only one who says it, but at the cross, Mary was standing. She didn't panic. She was not crushed. she, She was not destabilized. She was not doubting. She was standing like a rock in the worst possible trial. And St. John underlines a lot because that's what Mary was for him. And that's what the church needs to be for today's humanity. So how to leave these stability in the midst of trials? First way, to run away from trials. But that's not stability because we keep running forever. How to to accept that the trial that we face today can be in no our work, can be in no, our know, family, can be in no our affective life. How to accept that the trial that we face is exactly the place where Christ wants to meet us. Clearly it's an act of faith, or rather it is in faith. But I think it's not in faith in the sense that it's uh, the cloud of unknowing, and we have to believe that in fact it doesn't really change anything in our life. No, I think it's very practical. I think that it's up to us, in the midst of the trial, to choose, to decide, to let go. That's called an act of adoration. It's up to us to choose, to decide, uh, to put all our trust in Christ. Everything seems to collapse, and I have decided to put all my trust in Christ. I have the choice. So the body is in our hand eh? it's not in the hand of Christ Christ has already obtained for us that the the meeting point between us and him, the meeting point with his victory be in our wounds But we can run away from them forever and ever or we can choose that if there is a wound in us it is exactly there that Christ has chosen to visit us And I insist on the fact that we have all the grace for that. Uh, We don't have to pray for the grace. It is there. That's part of our Christian grace. To, to, To recognize the visit of Christ wherever we are destabilized, wherever we are made poor, wherever we are made more thirsty, wherever we are persecuted. It is exactly there that Christ has intended for all eternity to meet us. And it is exactly there that we are called to discover this life of the Beatitudes. So it demands what? It demands faith, obviously. It demands also the will to trust Christ rather than trusting ourselves in the sense that if we really if we really trust Jesus then clearly it would be a nonsense not to, to put all our hope in him but the problem is pride in us and rather than trusting him trusting his promise I will always be with you trusting that he is victorious rather than trusting him we continue to rather trust our own ways which are usually ways of escape we we continue to trust our own ways which are trying to find a way out by ourselves and that's pride and we have to acknowledge that in fact the main obstacle for this evangelization in us the main obstacle for the The stability in this new joy that Jesus offers to us is our pride. And we know very well that one sign of pride, which is already clear in the book of Genesis, so it's a direct consequence of sin, and one sign of pride is that we always accuse the others. It's always the other who is wrong. That's pride. While, sure, the others might be wrong at a lot of different levels. We might be their victims at a lot of different levels. Fine, that's the truth, objectively at a certain level. But at a deeper level than that, whether we put our hope in Christ or not, that's our responsibility. That's not the responsibility of others. Whether we put our hope in Christ or not, that's our responsibility. And that's our choice, and there, we are absolutely alone. And therefore, to discover or not to discover a Christian joy, that's only our responsibility. We can never blame others for our lack of Christian joy. We can blame others for our lack of natural joy. Yeah. I can blame those who hurt me. I can blame uh, my doctor who doesn't get rid of this sickness in me. I can blame a lot of people for my lack of natural joy. That's for sure. I cannot blame anybody but myself for my lack of Christian joy. And that's so important to accept this responsibility. That's called maturity. And we are a mature Christian when we accept that Christ has handed over to us the responsibility of our beatitude. He has obtained everything at the cross but we are still absolutely responsible for using and receiving or not receiving this beatitude that he has obtained for us at the cross and for me it's amazing to see how how slow we are he has obtained everything but we still don't use it and maybe Christ is is, Jesus is probably treating us in a way which doesn't really fit he should have probably treated us in a more childish way you're totally responsible, so I'll obtain the beatitude for you, and I give it to you, full stop. You don't have to cooperate whatsoever, you're just little children without any responsibility. And that's not the way Christ he says, he has chosen to obtain all for us, but to give us full responsibility of using it or not. And the result, the end result, is, is a little bit of a disaster yeah, result is not very brilliant meaning on the battlefield uh, while suffering while uh, losing a lot uh, we either blame others or we even blame Christ uh, and we totally forget to use this responsibility that we have to immediately harvest the joy of the cross harvest the 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 beatitude that Jesus has obtained, and then we manifest that probably our evangelization is not very very deep. You know, when I'm in India, uh, but I heard it in the Philippines, and I heard it everywhere. So often I hear that uh, evangelizations in those countries remains very shallow, and I'm not that sure. I think, in fact, it's usually much deeper. Uh, maybe it's shallow at a dogmatic level at the theological level of reasoning maybe they don't know as much as we do they have not read as much as we have but I think most of the time it's much deeper than ours in the sense that uh, you meet simple people who in, in truth because of the daily life of poverty and, and trials have really children to put all their trust in Christ. And that's the real evangelization. Evangelization is not to read books of theology. It is to really have put all my trust in Christ in whatever happens. Here we we have a very strong Christian culture. But I don't think that we have a very deep evangelization. We have lost it. Uh, Maybe because our life is too easy now. Our life is so protected. Our life is so organized uh, as a huge Tower of Babel that in fact we keep maintaining Christian values because they are so helpful for for community life for society but in fact we manifest uh, nearly constantly that we put much more trust in the world than in Christ uh, so that whenever there is a trial in our life we are lost well, it, is, it should be an invitation to recognize that Christ is there. I remember I was in the mission of Chati yesterday. It was, I think, three years ago I went to Velangan in South India, which is a beautiful place of pilgrimage, which is a copy of Our Lady of Lords. It's smaller, but a beautiful, big place still. And where, like always, it's a, a huge crowds come and because of this religious situation in India you have maybe 80% of Hindus and 20% Christians more or less who come. Uh, they all come <laughs> in pretty much to see Our Lady. Then at the end of mass I was, I was going out and uh, there was this young woman, uh, 27, 26 years old I can remember, at this type of age, beautiful young woman with a little baby in her arm so, and she was asking for a blessing so I came close and when I came close I discovered that the child was handicapped so my stupid natural reaction was so oh, I'm sorry and there was this beautiful smile on this woman's face saying no we have been blessed God has, she was Hindu, not Christian huh? God has blessed us with this handicapped child and then she continued in fact God has blessed us with two handicapped children. she lived it as a blessing Hindu so I was a little uh, awkward as a Christian uh, priest uh, she was so evangelized and, um, meaning that she had discovered that uh, not she had discovered deep down in her heart beyond uh, the dogma of her Hindu faith She had discovered that, yes, uh, suffering and trials were most probably a sign of the blessing of God and she was not Christian. So when you see that, you wonder what what do we do as Christians, Uh, running away, running away, running away. You wonder whether in in fact our evangelization is not extremely shallow. Uh, I don't know, I mean, maybe you have questions. I don't want to expand too long, but uh, for me it's also important, especially in a time like this, which is not a disaster, but which is definitely a little bit shaking quite a lot of people, do we read there an invitation to, to change in depth, to, to be witnesses in the sense of uh, choosing finally not to run away from the cross but to find there a sign of hope and, and clearly not in the life of others it's easy to bring hope to those who suffer but in our own life uh, uh, to clearly discover that when the cross is planted uh, this is the sign that, that Christ is being interested he's looking at us he's uh, getting closer to us Is coming back deeper in our life. Do we have this type of faith? Have we been evangelized that way? Otherwise, I think, in fact, our evangelization is much shallower than the evangelization of poor people who who live this misery every day and who have learned quickly that uh, misery was not a disaster, suffering was not a disaster but uh, are we open to this type of evangelization where Jesus is ready to go a little bit faster in order to help us discover more quickly this Christian joy while we have been rooming around and waiting and taking our time sometimes in our life now it's time discover the Christian joy so a little bit more of a crash course can I ask yeah. a question? Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about Jesus coming again, the early church was able to be very enthusiastic because they were given the impression that it was going to happen. In yeah, the night exactly. Night. Yeah. Whereas, and that probably diluted and the values Yeah, the Because they lived it definitely in a supernatural hope, but also because we are not a pure spirit, it was fueled by uh, the passion of hope, and therefore, uh, uh, psychology, uh, we would say today, very optimistic, in modern, modern words. And definitely, in time, supernatural hope can remain, there's no problem in time. But our psychology in time, uh, waiting and waiting and waiting, psychologically, uh, we get worn out. So that's the problem of the Church. Supernatural hope, hopefully, is still there, at least in the sense. But it's not fueled anymore either, neither helped by, you know, it's long, it's long. I hope, I hope, I hope, I want to hope, I want to hope, there's no problem. But I get, you know, one more time and then I fall asleep. That's a parable of the wise virgins and the foolish ones. So I think that's really one or so of the reasons why we, we lose this flame. Uh, waiting for two thousand years, you know, wears you out. But still, normally supernatural hope is exactly the same. So it's up to us to find a way. I think it would be important to find out how to find a way to win your hope so that maybe being worn out at a certain level, you can still have the strength. Do you think we and the church will recognize his return? Yeah, you compare. Yeah. The Jewish people, the Jewish leadership, will be in danger of all being wrapped up in the sense of problem. I don't know. But he's sure that the, the recognition level of the disciples after the resurrection is uh, quite low. They never recognize Christ. So that's not a very, very good start. Uh, shall we recognize? Hopefully the saints will and they will tell us get ready. <laughs> but I, I don't know more than this. But sure, it is scary to say that because Jesus said when the Son of Man will come back will he find faith on earth he will probably come back like a thief, nobody waiting for him nobody he didn't say not many, nobody that's scary and again I don't know where we are but if we were organizing a poll who is waiting for him for his return who would say in truth that his Christian life is essentially waiting for the return of Christ. People would say, No, my Christian life is, is to, to try to love, my Christian life is to try to follow Jesus, my Christian life is to try to live like Jesus. Well, this is already beautiful and rare, but who would add, and an essential part of it is, I have to be the watchman on behalf of others. Waiting for the return of Christ, so that I can announce his return for others. And that's really the way John Paul II was looking at consecutive life. Contemplative life is really the watchman waking at night in order to announce the dawn. He's coming soon. Father Philip, he was constantly preaching the last last week, constantly Mm -hmm. telling us, but you you don't realize that you're living the last week of the church can last long but it's still the last week if you pay any attention to Marian apparitions we're in a time of crisis of sorts aren't we yeah I think our lady has always said that I mean one way or the other all the apparitions of our lady have told us repent before it's too late eh? no she doesn't tell us when and how and where but all of them are called for repentance eh? which are in a Marian way and therefore very merciful and therefore very maternal way the the mission of John the Baptist to prepare the the way of Christ repent, repent, repent he's coming and Our Lady in a very different way because it's Our Lady not John the Baptist she doesn't need a whip Okay, she's basically telling the same thing repent, he's coming and it's interesting to see that there has been no recorded apparition of Our Lady for 18th centuries, huh? and then suddenly all of them come nearly all together in a matter of uh, little more, maybe 200 years. Which means that definitely Our Lady is, is telling us an urgency. And in the Apocalypse, what is terrible is that whatever urgency, man doesn't depend. This is amazing. You see, all the trumpets God is shaking, 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 shaking. Repent. Nobody rep- I mean, not nobody, man doesn't repent. So I'm sure there are still a few, but generally speaking, man doesn't repent, doesn't change. He's following his own track. But Paul said first to the effect make no mistake about this the great apostasy has to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So of church, the destruction it yeah, yeah. has a prerequisite yeah yeah sure Yeah, I mean uh, the how it will be and you know it's so hard but uh, the has to happen means that it's a necessity for the church to be disfigured as Christ was disfigured but are we going to leave this disfiguration in despair or in hope and the thing is that in the Apocalypse You see, when God is shaking, 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 I think it's the sixth trumpet or the fifth. The major consequence is general despair. And general despair is is choosing to die. So, the the problem is not the apostasy. The problem is whether we live this major struggle in hope or in despair. The cross is not the problem, that is how we live it. It's impossible to know. Well, I think it's possible to. You no, know, personally, I think it's possible to. To work in the right direction, don't expect to do act of hope when it's terrible. If you have not prepared yourself in doing act of hope when it's little bit joyful. So as always, uh, uh, the joyful mysteries are needed, not to be lazy, but to prepare ourselves. To develop this, this maturity that we will need when, you know, when the battlefield is there, whatever it is in our life. And we all know that in our life. Huh? All of us have had, I mean, I guess most of us have had joyful moments in our life, hopefully. But if we have wasted those moments in being lazy and just enjoying pleasure, then at the end when the, the, the battlefield comes, we are absolutely not prepared. Or if we have used these joyful moments in order to be stronger then we can enter in the battlefield in a totally different way. And that's the whole thing of education. Normally a mother tries to, to maintain a joyful environment for a child, not for him to be lazy, but to, to prepare himself for the moment when he will be in the battlefield. Will you please remind me what an act of hope is? I choose to live now of the victory that Jesus has obtained for me. Even if I don't experience anything, Because the only experience that I have is a failure. Because Jesus has already carried all my failures and transformed them in his victory.